Well, good morning. It's uh, 9 o'clock. There are probably a few more people still going to come in, but why don't we go ahead and get started. And welcome to class two of Ecclesiastes. I'm on. I think I'm on. <laughs> I hope I'm on. <laughs> so, um, why don't I uh, open us with prayer? God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this church and for the pastors who have consistently uh, preached your word and, and taught us from scriptures. Thank you for your word and for your Holy Spirit that helps us to understand what you what you have to say to us and then helps us to learn how to in- integrate that into our lives and change our lives to follow you and live like you more fully. Thank you for this class and for each person here. We pray for your blessing and your guidance upon uh, all that we say and do, and we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. So, let me start with my appliance. (laughs) So, many of you already know, but I had surgery to correct a problem with arthritis, and the idea, the the joint wasn't working anyway, so they got rid of the joint and they're fusing the, the two bones together. So I won't, it won't bend anymore, but it also won't hurt. And so that's the plan. So far it doesn't hurt, and that's a good, that's a good first step. So we'll see. I'm about three weeks into maybe a six week process or more. We'll see. <laughs> so let's start with a review of what we heard last week. Uh, many of you were here. I think most of you were here. We talked about Hevel. So what is Hevel? An enigma. An enigma, right? Other words for it? What, what did he talk about in the in the video? Vapor, a smoke, kind of hard to get your hands around, hard to be able to contain what the idea is, right? So that's a that's a good working definition for us. Is it's an enigma or or something that's kind of hard to hard to grasp, hard to contain it. It escapes us, right? Um, and what's the pr- what's the purpose of the class? Eric talked last week about what we were trying to accomplish in the class. Okay, let me back up. What's the purpose of Ecclesiastes? Why did why do we have Ecclesiastes in in the in the Bible? The purpose of the classes is written here. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, the purpose of Understand and internalize the message of the Ecclesiastes and to learn how we fear God and enjoy life that he gives us. Yep. So here we go. Fear God and enjoy his gifts. That's really what Ecclesiastes is trying to teach us, is that we, we should fear God and we should enjoy the gifts that he gives us. And it kind of goes through a convoluted process to get there. And we'll work through that some today. And we'll also look at it. So Ecclesiastes, of course, was written for the most part under the sun and in the context of the Old Testament, certainly, right? And we'll look at it from a kingdom view. What, you know, what Jesus had to say and how does that relate to what Ecclesiastes has to say? Okay? So let's start with a small group discussion. And we will uh, b- break into um, 
small groups of two to three people, two questions. One is, what makes you happy? And then the second is, when you're in that happy spot, do you find that you're embracing it and you really want to just rest in that moment? Or do you find yourself kind of thinking about, oh, you know, what's next? Or, you know, moving on from that. Do do you like staying there or are you... You're constantly thinking about moving on. So break into groups of three or four to most and talk through those two questions. Ready, set, break. I'm wondering, is that what he's going to say? All right, why don't we gather back together again? So it sounded like there were some uh, good things being shared there. I'll just give you two quick things for me, what makes me happy. One thing is I like games, board games, card games, dice games, sports games. You name it, I like games. And I will absolutely live in that moment. Ask my wife. Work night, I'll go as long as people will stay. And another thing I like to do is kind of connected is I like to ride my bike. But interesting is I thought about it. I love going out for a bike ride. I like it better getting back, right? So I'm happier getting back than I am starting. So I, I'm kind of ready to accomplish it, kind of kick that goal, you know, get get that done. So that's that's kind of what uh, how it works for me. Um, so if we look at the question of in uh, in actually, I think. What we want to do is look at the second chapter of Ecclesiastes. And I'm just going to read it for us. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. It goes, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was heaven. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I search with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of men to do under heaven during the days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of men. I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eye desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was hevel and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. 
For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet, I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart, this also is Hevel. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is Hevel and a striving after the wind. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is Hevel. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is Hevel and a great evil. What has a man from the toil and striving of heart with which he toils under the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is Hevel. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat and who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to one who pleases God. This also is Hevel and is striving after the wind. So, kind of interesting there. It's life is about work, right? We all work. I work. I've been retired for seven years, but I work. Every day I work in some fashion. I own a house. You know, how can you not be working if you own a house? So, work is common to all of us, right? And yet, he talks about work and, and, and what that looks like. So, let's explore that. Let's dig into work a little bit, and we'll start in the garden. So, in the garden, if we look at Genesis 1, uh, God starts out, God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over everything that lives on the earth. And skip down to 31, it says, God saw everything he had made and behold, it was very good. And then, the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, and in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So man's job was to work and keep the garden, right? And what, what's he got in the garden? 
certainly fruit trees. Um, we don't have a lot of other specific, but we know that there's trees there. So does a man plant the trees? No. No, God seems to have planted them. Any weeding? That hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> right? So no weeds. Unlikely pruning. No tearing out and replanting. Primarily, his harvesting is just for his own needs, right? So he's not doing a major harvest with lots and lots of work trying to get everything down off the tree. He just harvests what he needs to live. So yes, he was working, but seems like pretty easy work, pretty light work, pretty enjoyable work. The biggest part of it is going and picking the fruit that he needs to eat that day. So that was in the garden. But then... um, what happens in the garden? God, man, and, and man does what God told him not to do, and he gets kicked out of the garden. So we're going to look at that um, in a moment in more detail. In the passage we just read, Kohelet builds his own garden, right? And the language is eerily similar to the language God used in creating his garden. And what does Colette build? Well, he puts houses with vineyards and fruit trees and pools with gardens, pools, water. He waters it, right? Much as God gave the rivers to water the garden. He has trees. Colette is the teacher. So this is, we're in the body of the text here where we're mostly reading from the teacher. Um, He has cattle and flocks, band singers and women singers, so he has created his own garden. He's creating for himself his environment where he has everything that he wants. And so then the question is, what is his perspective on his success? Right? And so if you think about that passage where he talked about his thoughts after he had done it, and he, he kind of looks back on it, he contemplates what has happened. And so Judy's going to scribe for me because my hand doesn't work. My digits aren't great here. But what did you see there in his perspective on the results of his labor? We saw God's perspective and what did God say? God said, very good. God was very pleased with the garden that he created. What did Colette feel about his garden? What do you see in there? Go ahead. No satisfaction. Yeah. What else? Verse 10 says his heart was pleased. Initially, initially pleased, right? Initially pleased, but but no satisfaction. Said, called it nothing to be gained. No gain, no gain. Yeah. Other. What else do we see in there? Say it again. He had done it all. He had done it all. Oh, yeah, it was, it was his own, right? His own accomplishments. 
What else? It turns into like a, like he doesn't like it. It's a vaccine. He's dissatisfied, right? Dissatisfied, not only yeah. Yeah. Meaningless, it's also, uh, Vexation is one of the words I think that is in there. Troublesome. Troublesome. I like that word as well. It's almost like he liked it till he conquered it and then he was bored with it. Yeah, he got bored. That's kind of look look like he got bored. On to the next thing. Right. Right. But then because he accomplished so much, he looks around and what is the next thing? Right. He, he didn't find the next thing that made sense to him. I, I thought, did he, did he really see any eternal perspective? Uh, Jesus said to lay up treasures in heaven. Right. And I, I don't see anything in here about, um, I mean, it's all focused on your earth. Uh, right, right. So, it, so it's all very short-term focused, and he doesn't see a long-term benefit. No long-term benefit. What about after he dies? What does he say then? The next guy gets it. it. Who didn't work for it, right? Who might not... Might not be smart enough to handle it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And how does he feel about that? Go ahead. Well, that creates an interesting situation because his reward is doing the work. I mean, so that's, yeah. there's no profit beyond that. You do the work, right. there's some enjoyment in doing it, accomplishing it, making the exertion, and then it's over. Right. The next guy gets it, but he doesn't have any of that satisfaction of having done it himself. Right. He just right. gets it and it's like... Uh, <laughs> right, right. So so it has less value to the next guy it than it had to him because he worked for it and then he had that satisfaction of having accomplished it. And the next guy, it's just... Probably got squandered it. Yeah. Right, right. So one thing I noticed about this is he does it for himself. Uh-huh. He's totally self-focused. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think we get a lot of happiness from doing things with or for others. And he's just focused on himself. Totally, totally self-focused. Yep, yep. Okay, thank you, Judy. So... When we looked at what God said, God said that it was very good. Kohelet said, not so good. Lots of things that leave him unhappy rather than leaving him happy. And what has happened between those two was man, sin, right? And we're kicked out of the garden and life has changed. God cursed the ground, and he says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth to you. Now we've invented weeds, right? Uh, God invented weeds. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So now we start with dust, we end with dust. And as, as Coalette knows, it's all vapor. It's, can't get your hands around it. It's, it's gone just as quickly as it shows up, right? So disappointment for him after having accomplished much, right? 
And so here we see in the, his conclusion at the end, um, actually, let's, let me see here. Yeah. So his conclusion is, is, um, that I have to leave it for another. He doesn't know whether it be a, a wise or a fool. And it really bothers him that the control over everything that he has done goes to somebody that at the time that he's writing this, he doesn't know who it's going to be. So let's get together in, um, in groups again. And um, the question is this. If the result of work, and this, this is a guy who is as successful as you can imagine any person ever being. If the result of work is undesirable, unsatisfying, um, vexing, is it, why is it worth working at all? Why do we bother with work if the result is dissatisfying? So talk, talking, get back into your small groups and let's talk about why do we bother with work if this is the outcome of work? The most successful guy, perhaps one of the most successful guys in ever been, didn't feel like he got much out of it. Okay, break. Okay, why don't we gather back together again and I'm going to have Judy capture some of these things. I heard some good things. What did we say? Why, why does work matter? Why, why do we bother with work if, you know, it's, it's vexing and un, unsatisfactory? What, what do you say in your groups? Zach? Work should build more than a physical thing. It should build a character in the person who's doing it. Mm-hmm. Build character. What else? Paycheck. Paycheck. Yes. There is that thing about being able to pay the rent, right? One, one simple summation for why we work, <coughs> pardon me, is that God commanded it. God commanded right. If uh, he commanded us to work six days, as he worked six days, mm-hmm. Solomon doesn't talk much about rest, that Solomon kind of lost the perspective, perhaps, of, uh, of, of biblical instruction, because he might have gotten some peace uh, if he had if he had rested on the Sabbath. But in any event, um, Jesus said, if you, I'm only loving if you keep my commandments. God says to do something. Do it. Right. He says to work six days. Right. Not to retire. Yep. There's no retirement in the Old Testament that I ever heard of. No. You have to work six days. Yep. And then rest on the Sabbath. Yep. Okay, thank you, Clyde. Other comments? Well, God worked. God worked. And we're made in God's image. Right. So God worked six days in creating the heavens and the earth, and then he rested, so um, he's he's the model. That's right. Didn't Solomon also say, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like an armed man? Yeah, so it helps us to avoid poverty. 
and in the New Testament somewhere, if you don't work, you don't work. Right. Other things that we that we see reasons to reasons to work. Okay, great. So let's see what Kohelet said about work. So in, he wrapped up this the, the last two uh, verses. He says the last three verses he says there's nothing better the person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. So he's saying the toil itself should be enjoyable. And eat and drink. Take take advantage of what you've, you've done. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. So you know he kept saying this is from Hevel. Now he's saying this is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat and who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. So joy is a piece of it. But to the sinner, he is given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to one who pleases God. This also is hevel and a striving after wind. So, you know, the original text doesn't really have punctuations, but in my mind anyway, I connect this, the, the, the hevel here, to the last clause, the sinner who is given and gathered and collected and wind up giving it to another person who God pleases to have habit, right? And whereas this is this is what God is what He is saying is that work in and of itself should be an accomplishment for us. The very fact that we work, we should enjoy that. We should uh, we should do that. We'll come back to some of this as we get into the New Testament. Questions or comments on that? Okay, let's look at a kingdom view. And we've already talked about this a little bit, but Jesus and God both work. Jesus says in John 5, 17, my father is working until now. So, yes, he created the heaven and earth, but Jesus said he is continuing to work, right? And Jesus says, I am working as well. So certainly our example from Jesus is that work is something that we should do. In Luke, um, and when the man had come to him, so this is some disciples of John coming to Jesus, and they're saying, uh, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Is there somebody else, or are you the Messiah? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, he answered the disciples of John, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. So Jesus is working. What work is he doing? This is the work that he's doing. He's helping people. He's preaching the good news. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, in 26 it says, uh, uh, to a person who is good in his sight, he has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. While a sinner is given the task of gathering and collecting. Yep. He doesn't say creating. He doesn't say building. So, um, uh, you know, it seems like um, 
they're not sinners not given the task of creating things. Yeah. Whereas Jesus' example, he's doing something restorative. He is restoring. Yeah. Creating. He's not gathering things. He's he's creating and building things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Thanks. We talked about this a little bit uh, already in this area. In Ephesians, let the thief who stole no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands so he may have something to share with anyone in need. So a thief would be somebody who does not work, who has not done nothing to provide for himself, has done nothing to provide for others. And what the Bible is saying here is that when you become a Christian, when you're following Christ, you should be doing things to take care of yourself and to take care of others, even if before you did nothing to help anyone at all. Right? So that's the essence of this, is, is when you become a Christ follower, you're going to be taking care of yourself and, and having something to help others. In Psalms 90... Verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. God said when God favors, then God establishes your work. God makes it, makes it not only exist, but last. That's what, what God does. And again to the, to the words of Jesus in uh, Matthew 6, do not lay for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think I heard some of that being said earlier. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, what does work look like in the kingdom? It can involve many things. Um, Hebrews 11 talks about, has the roll call of faith, and in Hebrews 11, um, it's, it says that, um, let me just read you some of the things that um, they say. Um, they were men who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. When you think of all those things, there are a whole lot of stuff lying underneath that that people have to do. So there's a lot of different kinds of things that would fit into doing what the kingdom uh, of God uh, involves, right? The question is, whose kingdom are you building, right? If it's your own, then hevel. And it becomes like mist. It's vapor. And you can't, you can't really get your hands around it. It's not lasting, right? It is more like what Koheleth talked about, right? But if it's God's kingdom that you're 
you're working on, then he will establish your work. Now, does that mean that if you're working for God, everything is going to go exactly the way you planned it, exactly everything that you wanted to have happen? What do you think, Ben? You're a pastor. Does everything go the way you want it to happen? <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. You, uh, a party of one. No, no it's not going to be exactly. And, and part of that is that uh, we are doing what seems right to us. And that's not always what God wanted, right? But even when we do what God wanted, that does it's not going to come out necessarily the way we want it. The point is that it is... God who's going to establish his work, and if we're building his kingdom, then that part of building his kingdom will last. It is his kingdom that lasts forever. I think part of the contrast here is in the kinds of work is one is like the gathering and storing up. Mm-hmm. It keeps up coming up. It's like Kohelet is like working like way beyond what he needs to, right? <laughs> right to provide for himself and his family or whatever. He's like doing all this extra stuff, gathering and building up, and that overemphasis. And if we do that in our own lives, like, oh, we're worried about what we're going to eat, so we need to store up extra food. We're worried about what we're going to wear. We need to make sure we've got extra clothes or extra. And just that storing up. It's like we can't be building God's kingdom until we stop overworking for those purposes, right? And, and, and free ourselves up to consider what he wants us to do. Yep, yep. So there's a balance then yeah. between how we work for ourselves versus how we work for others and for God's kingdom. Right. Trade off. Yeah, yeah. Other thoughts on that? Well, along those lines, I think that's probably one of the reasons God wanted us to take a Sabbath day is to keep his perspective and to be following his ways so that he can direct us and right. help us to be right. building for him rather than for ourselves. Yep. And if you remember back in the in the desert, um, in the 40 years in the wilderness, when God was providing manna for them, there was enough to feed on the, on the Sabbath day. They always had, they collected enough on the day before, in order to be able to feed themselves on the on the Sabbath, and they never were short, right? They never ran out of something to eat, as long as they followed God's plan and and did what He asked them to do. Even their clothes didn't wear out. Right, <laughs> right. Pretty amazing. Right. Right, so you gotta figure out which master you're serving, right? Are you serving, man, are you serving what Koaleth was after, right? Making a name for himself, making a kingdom for himself. Or are you serving God? Yeah? Okay. Uh, I have one other thought. I don't see anything here about seeking counselors. No, um, Correct, yeah. yeah. Where, where are people that give them counsel? Um, my, my thought is like the environment, um, when plastics were first starting to come in, you know, um, you know everyone's 100% behind it, and, and, and now we've got a world that's going to be choking with plastics. Right. If, you know, uh, so you know, we've got some feedback from people. Maybe this isn't so good. And, you know, 
you right. go on this path. Right. To have more ideas and more people's in, uh, perspective on whatever you're doing than just your own. So, in summary then, fearing God and enjoying the life he gives us is kind of the focus of the of Ecclesiastes as a whole, right? When it comes to work, we really need to be building God's kingdom, not our own kingdom. And that work itself is a good gift from God. We should be enjoying the work itself uh, there's nothing better than to in, enjoy your toil and to eat and drink. Enjoy the meals. One of the things that you see if you if you uh, read through the Bible, the Old Testament, God's a party God. He's telling people have parties all the time. He endorses. He encourages enjoying food and drink, having having uh, a big party, right? Getting together with other people. That's something that God actually tells his people to do on a regular basis. There are lots of, of uh, party days in the, in the Jewish calendar. Because God cares about that. That's important. So that's the way we should be living our lives as well. We're now in, not in the Old Testament, we're in the New Testament. But if you look at God's intent, it's still with God's intent that we would encourage each other, we would enjoy each other, we would enjoy the food and drink that God has given to us. Okay? Questions? Comments? Um, We'll wrap up there. And next week, Eric will be back um, talking about... What's the topic for next week, Eric? History of time. 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 Okay. Thank you all.